Hi guys and welcome back to the podcast Catch Kate. This week we are on episode three. Yay! So this week we are going to Cuba. What an amazing diverse and time warped country. It is simply fascinating. So we're going to look at again some of the biodiversity, some of the natural sites there, um, the history and some of the experiences again that I have had and learnings on the environmental front. The Cubans are actually, I learned so much about them and how they recycle and how they reuse. It's really, really amazing place for um, environmental tips and tricks. So when I went to Cuba, I actually traveled a little bit differently. I met my friend there. Uh, she flew over from Ireland and it was really nice to know that I, I had somebody to meet there that I knew. But I actually went back there a second time alone because I just fell in love with the place. It was a country that I still have no words about it. And I actually still think about it, how different it is from the whole world. It just functions completely differently. And I wondered about their lifestyles and how they live and like what we could learn from them. Before I had arrived in Cuba, I had read online that it wasn't a great place for solo travel. And I was thinking about it. What would I do? Because I had researched couch surfing and it seemed like it was non-existent that you would just stay in these casas, like these houses with the locals. Then regarding transport, it seemed as if like buses didn't exist. It just seemed like everything was like, you just have a guess. Is it going to come? Is the bus going to come? Was well, it not? Um, yeah, it's really on Cuban time. But yeah, so it's, it, it proved a bit difficult to get information before I actually arrived there. And like, you have to have a lot of patience there because the country is so... It's really kind of like back in the day. And I think that's why I loved it so much. Everything was actually quite backwards. And... I think as well, coming from a farm here in Ireland, I think it made me feel very relaxed and at home because I felt, yeah, I felt like I could relate to the people and how they did things, you know. So they would have like horses and if something was broken, like they would fix it. Anything could be fixed, you know, you, you wouldn't throw it away. And this was fascinating to see like that throwaway culture didn't really exist because everything is... You know, it's um, appreciated. You don't just like have something and throw it in the bin. Like you try and fix it. And you can see this again, like with the cars, like the cars are so old. They're from like, you know, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, and they're stunningly beautiful. And like if something happens to the car and I can tell you, I, I was broken down in so many cars over there on the side of the road. Like I spent days, like sometimes I spent one full day like in a car that would break down like five times and you'd be stuck on the road and the person or your host or your friend who was going to meet you that day at midday, they'd be waiting all day for you and you wouldn't show up. You'd be on the side of a road somewhere in the Caribbean heat. And that happened to me many times. But luckily, the Cubans are very, uh, they, they are great for entertainment. So you just sit on the side of the road under a palm tree and then the boys go down the road with the horses and their um, their little carriage and they just 
have the tunes blaring so you, you be, you're not short of entertainment for sure and and they're so curious who you are where you're from what you're doing there and the same for me I was so curious you know so like some of the first things I noticed arriving well one of the biggest things is that they have two currencies so there's one for the tourist and one for the local which is like a complete division when you arrive you're like oh I'm different well, me anyway, there was people like coming up to me at the airport trying to um, swap money with me. And, you know, the, the euros are actually more, they're worth more there than the dollar. And yeah, it's a big learning curve going there because you might find the way the society is a little bit different, um, especially regarding the currencies. And then when I arrived at my casa, I remember asking the lady where the shop was. And at this point, again, I was only in my trip like a few weeks. My Spanish was not great at all. I could say some words. And I was asking her where the shop was and like she couldn't. There was like no shop, you know, I was like, huh, is there no shop. But really, there wasn't a shop. I like found some kind of a a man on the corner of the street out of a window and like he gave me like you know two or three items like that was all he had and I was like okay I guess I'll just eat these for the night luckily I had these like um oat biscuits I got in Mexico thank god I had them in my bags I would have starved you know and then well I wouldn't have I would have been fine like <laughs> but you know over overreacting there but like then then the whole thing about the internet, like I was like, oh, because I wanted to message my friend who would come in that night and tell her where to go to find the accommodation. And the internet thing was another story because that didn't exist either. Uh, maybe in the big, in, the, in like Havana city centre in the hotels, of course, you could buy internet if it was available because uh, it's not always available. You have to buy these internet cards which cost like, well, depending on who actually serves you and depending on how you ask and if they know, if they think you're, if you can speak Spanish, like they might charge you different amounts, which I always found so funny. I'd be like, sorry, you charged me $1 yesterday. You're charging me $3 today. And they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, $1. So, <laughs> you know, they're funny, like, but you get used to it, you know, and the, you have the crack then like. And yeah, I couldn't find anywhere to get internet, but eventually... My host taught me to walk to this corner down the road. So I eventually found this corner <laughs> where there was a basketball court and I like sat in the corner. Like I knew there was internet there because I could see all these people on the ground on the pavements just sitting there with phones and nobody really talking, just their head in the screens. But it was just like this one place, you know, and it's actually an amazing thing to look at because when you look at the rest of the world, it's it's very common now to see people just walking the streets with their heads in their phones. Whereas over there, it would be like a designated place, like a corner where they would have like a, a cable or a satellite line. There's an area where you can access Wi-Fi. Um, but again, you can't just access it. You need to have a special card. You need to buy that first. And then you have to go to the designated place to be able to use it. So they make it hard, you know. This was something I really, really, really loved about Cuba. I loved not having internet there. I really did. Like an odd time I would get WhatsApp and I would message home. But it was just an amazing experience to go back in time and just rely on word of mouth. 
and there's a there's a beautiful sense of ease about that you know like the friends I made there in different cities especially in Trinidad down in the middle part of the country like I I just used to laugh because we'd say okay meet you at 4 p.m at the plaza this restaurant or this bodega you know and you just kind of be like okay meet you there and then you just take a guess if they're going to turn up you know <laughs> it was the funniest thing like for, sometimes I used to wait for ages and I just sit there and watch the people or I'd watch the donkey with the there used to be this one donkey and he'd go around the plaza with like a little carriage on the back and a bell and he used to just take the kids around in circles and I just watched that for hours <laughs> this is how simple life was and I absolutely loved it so let's go on a little tour around Cuba so again I'm not really into capital cities because I'm very into the natural world so I was like get me out of Havana I want to get into the real culture I want to meet the real people and I want to see how they live in saying that Havana is super cool place and it is a UNESCO world heritage site and like it's fascinating to walk around there and you have the long malecon and you can see all the people fishing and you can watch them dancing or oh, the dancing I'll never forget it like the salsa you'd have you have salsa like every night it's amazing and then you have artists everywhere music everywhere they're just so creative there they're so full of life vibrancy it's just amazing to walk around that city and any part of Cuba they're they're, they have a beautiful energy. You can also take tours in the cabs, like the famous antique cars around the city or the Malecon. And yeah, just experience what it's like to be in an old vintage car. But when you start going around the country anyway, you're in those cars every day. So I guess it's really important for people who maybe just go to Havana. It's yeah, it's an amazing experience. And you can you have your the rooftop off, you have the royal Cuban palms lining the streets. And then you just hear the jazz music and the you, you see the salsa on the street. It's just like, wow, I am in another world. So much energy, vibrancy, excitement. And yeah, you just feel like alive in your body. There was one very, very funny adventure that I'll never forget. In fact, there was so many adventures in Cuba. Like literally you could plan the day and the to- the day would just go upside down or backwards and you could end up anywhere. It's just whatever goes, flows. And for me, it was perfect because I'm okay with uncertainty, but I can understand, you know, why some people maybe didn't like it because they want to have like a regimented plan and they want this and this and this and they didn't, they want things like ready then and there, you know, so it really depends on your style. With my friend, we were going off to uh, Vignales. It is very famous for its tobacco plantations and kind of traditional farming methods. But what we had planned to do was take a, a bus there in the morning or a cab share and so we arrived up at this um, kind of bus station. <laughs> Wasn't really like a bus station. And we met this man with a cab. And, you know, they're all offering their cars, trips here, there. And you're like, OK, OK, which one will we go? You know, you have to barter. So we met these two. We met a dad and a son from Spain. And they were also going up north in Cuba. So they, we kind of agreed that we would share the cab. So again, we waited 
there's a lot of waiting around I'll be honest with you so we waited anyway in this restaurant under the shade because it was super hot for the man to be ready he was having his breakfast and so we were chatting with the dad and the son and the dad said oh like where are you going and we were like oh Vinales and we were like where are you going and they were like Cayo Luisa which is an islet like this tiny island off the north coast beautiful place for snorkeling and diving and yeah just it's literally like an island you know with one hotel it's amazing and so we were like wow that's amazing and then the dad out of nowhere says um if you want like you could come with us and I was like what and he's like yeah we were meant to go with another like two people but they had to cancel because they got sick and he was like if you'd like you can come it's all inclusive and it's already paid and my mouth literally dropped and I looked at my friend and I was like yeah we're coming we're going yes we are going (laughs) so yeah I had no care in the world that we were missing out on some Airbnb that cost a few bucks (laughs) I was like we've literally just got an invitation to this practically like a private island like oh my god you need we need to go so anyway we got in the cab that day but what ensued that day was a day of pure mishaps and yeah you could call them adventures for sure we got in the cab and like it broke down after the first hour I think on the side of the road and so the guy gets out and we all get out and I think maybe like you know 20-30 minutes he ends up fixing the car so then we all get back in the car again and like this was like 10 o'clock in the morning we had gone to the station at 8 and then we drove again for another maybe like three hours and like it's it's not the comfiest because like there was no aircon in the car like the air like the car doesn't function like a modern car and then like you're kind of in the back seats in the leather and it's like super hot but then we drove for another like three hours or so and it broke down again and we were stuck on the side of the road again and uh, another 30 minutes and fixed it again (laughs) I was like okay let's all get back in the car again And then we drove on again for another couple of hours and the guy said to us that the ferry, the last ferry to get to that special island was at like four. So we really were on a time constraint, you know, because if we didn't get that ferry, like we couldn't get there until the next night. And actually the car ended up breaking down again at about like three o'clock. So we were like, oh, my God, we're not going to make it. And so we got out on the side of the road and we had at this stage like it was so hot and we had to go under these like palm trees and you know yeah sit down for a while and we ended up like pushing the car like onto this lawnway of some old farmer's house and there was like big huge cows and I was like right uh sorry there move over the cows and we'll push this big huge Cadillac into the lawnway <laughs> so yeah we ended up there and eventually we were like tumming on the road for ages, just like begging people to take us, you know, and like in Cuba, they really want to make money. They don't earn a lot of money at all. You know, it's uh, it's quite hard to get a proper income there. We would try and like get lifts and stuff and just like nobody would pick us up. 
But eventually these guys came in this super modern Jeep. Apparently like the only one in the country. I don't know how they must have got it imported in somehow. And they were like hop in the back. And we're like okay. And they were like some musicians. And we were just in the back of the truck going down the road. And we were like are we going to make the ferry? Are we going to make the ferry? And our hair was like blowing in the wind at the back of this four wheel truck and we eventually made it to the ferry. So like at the ferry then we just treated ourselves to ice cream and we got on the boat and we were just so delighted. And we spent like three days on that island and we they're the most pristine beaches like turquoise water clear and just some like free diving there. And we did some snorkeling, um, loads of starfish as well and kind of black coral absolutely breathtaking and yeah we just felt so privileged to be there um to be invited there and feeling like so isolated from the rest of the world then another funny story happened and these are the things like you don't really share when you're traveling you're like this is amazing this is amazing but uh, guys i told you i'm going to be honest with you I had a lot of challenges on my trip. I got sick quite a few times. And these moments are when you're really low and like you really want to go home because you're just, yeah. Locally this time, I actually was traveling with a friend. Um, so it was lovely to actually have her there with me for the two weeks. And yeah, I ate shellfish on the island and I ended up like running to the toilet five million times. The whole beautiful Paradise Island. It was amazing for the first like a day and a half or two days but then the end of it I was just oh my god my stomach was upside down um so yes that was a big learning curve but yeah I just had to sleep 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 and I eventually got better when we were leaving the island on the boat my stomach was still turning so it was pretty bad you get through it and you get stronger and you appreciate you know your trips the next few days so next stop we went to Vinales and there we booked a horse riding tour and we went to see all the tobacco plantations which were super interesting and we got to watch them roll cigars we got to roll the cigars ourselves we got to smoke the cigars like you can see me like I was choking my throat off (laughs) and you wouldn't mind like I did actually smoke years ago but like these cigars you know you're meant to like kind of inhale and then just blow it out and I was like what how do you do it (laughs) And like the Cubans are just such so much fun. Like we were on the horses then and like we were having a great laugh. They were telling us all the names, the horses and sure the horses had no names. Every horse, you know, they're just for practical means, you know, but they're great fun. And this is another funny thing. The marriage proposals like so funny in our Airbnb there. The man was like, oh, when will you come back? And when you come back, bring your wedding dress so you can marry my son. And both of you can go and live in Ireland and come back to Cuba but honestly, the amount of marriage proposals, they're so friendly and they're so curious, but it just cracked me up. Like I was like, oh, my God, like this is like the flipping 15th marriage proposal. I can't handle this, you know, <laughs> but you just have a laugh with them. You just laugh it off. And yeah, it's just a little bit of a wind up, you know. So, yeah, when you look at the history of Cuba, the tobacco plantations were massive and they still are massive, like the exports of the Cuban cigars. You know, they're renowned around the world. You also have the sugar cane, which is super, super big export. And again, you can drink the juice like they'll be making it on the side of the street. They have these juicers and it's very sweet. Another thing then they export is nickel, which is um, used in steel all around the world. And there's meant to be like massive reserves there. 
So the next place we went to was Trinidad and this is actually where I spent most of my time and it really is a beautiful place with lush green forests, these beautiful fruit trees like mango forests, coral reefs, valleys, huge history of sugarcane plantations where the slaves were working and it's actually classed as a UNESCO site. There's a valley located just outside the town called Valle de los Ingenios. And this is actually where the slaves were working. And online, I was actually trying to look it up, actually how many, but one estimate was like 80,000, which is massive. It was a huge imprint on the development of the city there and the culture. So around Trinidad, you have the most amazing um kind of valleys and forests you can visit and cascadas these um waterfalls or cascades so i used to like get on the horses in the morning you know eight or nine a.m the heat was pretty intense and then you would like ride the horses for a few hours down into the valleys and then you would spend like maybe lunchtime at the waterfalls and you just jump off and just spend yeah most of the day just bathing and keeping cool and then come back again in the evening on the horses so it was just like beautiful days that I spent there I did that so many days and yeah it was really really nice experience but the guys there as well like my friends they just give out to me like they'd be like Kate stop galloping on the horses because <laughs> I used to be like no no in Ireland we this is how we ride the horses in the fields you know it's just so funny and they're like no that's not how you ride horses in Cuba you don't do that you just slow down and you need to put one hand on the saddle here you know because it was a different kind of saddle as well and the reins I was holding the reins with two hands and they were like no you hold it like one these horses are different horses you know they're they're funny like um they have a really great sense of humor also like at the waterfalls you can jump off and like I remember jumping off one tree like I don't know where I got the courage I just kind of was like I'll just do it I'll copy them so the boys would go up and jump off and then I followed them and like one of the trees I jumped off must have been up like you know 15 meters or more I'd say it was more and I remember jumping off and going down vertical and there was actually someone in the water below I nearly hit them um but yeah, it was it was crazy. Like, I can't believe I used to do that. I mean, I probably would do it now as well. But, you know, I remember there and the the, the, the young Cuban boys, the teenagers, they were like, what? There's a girl jumping off. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, so that was quite funny to blow their stereotype that a girl can actually jump off a tree and fall down, you know, into the water. Also, the biodiversity in the forests as you walk or hike or you ride horses, however you arrive there, is absolutely amazing. There are so many endemic species in Cuba. So endemic basically means that it's only found in that country. So they have about 6,000 plant species and half of them are actually endemic. So they can't be found anywhere else in the globe, which is like super cool. And they're animals as well, about over 40% of them are endemic as well. Some of the endemic species you would find there are the Cuban finch, the hummingbird. Um, there's actually a Cuban crocodile as well, but the numbers are actually quite low because it was hunted severely for its meat and its um, skin. And they also have like a tree frog, which is nocturnal. So it comes out at night to feed. 
And there's so many types of tree species as well. And you have lush kind of tropical forests. And then you have kind of dry tropical forests. And you could be just riding your horses down the field, which we used to do. And next thing you'd look over and there'd be just this massive area, like acres full of like mango trees. And I was like, oh my God, mangoes are my favorite. And like, I recall being there and we'd ride over on the horses and just pick the mangoes off the trees. And it felt so funny because like, obviously I'd only eaten them from shops and picking it off the tree in the midday blazing sun in the Caribbean and then like biting into this mango, which was roasting hot from the sun, you know, the whole thing just like kind of dripped everywhere, you know, but the, the taste was something else. It was so potent and so juicy and just delicious. Again, regarding their like food and their consumption, like I learned so much from them because they don't waste and they're very clever with their how they use food and eat food and you know store food and like there was one place used to serve kind of pizza slices which was kind of handy say if you were out for the day you went to the beach or wherever and it was the only place open at least you're sorted you're like oh my god at least I can get a pizza slice or just something because as I said like shops are really hard to find so like getting food you either have to eat at the meal time in the day between like 12 and 2 like you you actually have to eat at those meal times when the restaurants are open otherwise you can be really stuck for food say like if I ordered a pizza slice and I was I wanted to take it away like you can't really take it away because they don't have I didn't see the plastic culture there that we have like oh take away take away take away like there's nobody walking down the streets with a takeaway cup of coffee or a takeaway cup of tea or a takeaway sandwich like it just it's not a thing there you know it's really preserved the old culture like you sit down and you eat and you finish your food and then you go away or you have your coffee or whatever oh that's another thing the coffee is unreal um I'm going to go off the topic now but I visited the coffee some coffee farms as well and oh my oh my like I remember trying like shots of coffee like you get a shot oh my I could have ran a marathon like the power the potency of those coffee beans over there is something else absolutely delicious so I would definitely promote the coffee and if you can ever get your hands in it drink it something else um but if you drink coffee in the houses uh it's very sweet like in any of my host's houses or my friends like they give me coffee and I'd be like whoa what is in that about four sugar cubes you know they they love sweet stuff and for me, like I'm more savory, so I'd be like, wow, now I can definitely run two marathons with all the sugar cubes. But yeah, just to go back again about the throwaway culture, um, the plastic thing didn't I didn't really see that around. They're reusing everything. The plastic bottles are reused. They, they just make use of everything, you know, and that again is to probably to do with the trade embargo the way they don't have much incoming trade from, we'll say, the US and stuff like that. Like there's no trade there. So it's quite limited in its produce and they just make use of everything, which I I think it's amazing. And as well with the food, like the food is super ripe. It comes in off the farms and stuff. You'd have banana trucks come in full of bananas or, you know, I used to meet certain guys on the streets. I'd buy my avocados from my mangoes, my different kind of fruits, you know, exotic fruits. And they also like 
in the evenings I would see them throwing out we'll say you know if there was leftover food or waste they would throw it out to like the dogs or the cats on the streets at a certain time which I thought was great as I mentioned as well about the trade embargo so they would have like this selling of kind of sweets and stuff um on the weekends or on the evenings they would sell like I remember seeing them selling like chewing gum packets and they would have each individual chewing gum kind of slip you know like the long kind of thin chewing gum things and I was like wow like they really don't have access to like sweets is what we would call and I remember going back there the second time and buying stuff in Mexico and bringing it with me like some sweets and some different kind of biscuits because they don't have it there you know it's very rare and even when I was there with my friend we bought like these galletas these like oat kind of biscuits and granola and stuff which is really hard to find like you can barely you can barely get it just the necessities and we we met these kids on the streets and we sat with them and we we gave them like digestive biscuits and the granola and they were just like we had like a hordes of kids coming around us and it was just it felt so lovely to give them that experience you know to, for them to try it for the first time and I have beautiful photos with them on the streets and they were saying to me after then and my friend you know will you will you star in our movie please come in our movie so like then they would like they had like one phone between about 12 of them or 15 and they were like taking a video of me and they were like oh you're in our movie now you're like our star but like at the time again I barely spoke Spanish (laughs) so I don't even know what I was doing in that movie but yeah it was just very funny and their parents and their families were so lovely as well they did no problem with us playing out in the streets and you know you just run around in your bare feet and you're full of dust and yeah I just I really loved their lifestyle you know very basic very natural very down to earth there's not much technology there and it's just very soul to soul living you know and again like some things are really hard to get there like you know toothpaste shampoo commodities like that so again like if you ever go you know be kind and maybe you might even buy an extra toothbrush for your friend or for a local and I did stuff like that and I even left my trainers there I had a pair of Nikes and I just said you know what I'm actually going to leave them in the wardrobe and I don't know I, I presume my host found them afterwards but they would have been a good you know a good little prize to find you know a pair of Nike runners and Another thing, like some of the stories I remember, just to give you a bit of a cultural insight, like I had one story where I had to explain to a guy what a bank account was, like I don't know how many times, and he had no idea. He was like, but how do you save money? Because like the average person will earn, um, you know, like $20 a month, it'll be like a set rate. And then they might have like ration books and stuff. So it's um, it's not easy living, you know. And I always say to people, you know in the western world for other countries like you're so lucky like we don't know how lucky we have it like you know and another thing was the story of the aeroplane I was down on market street and chatting to this guy and I remember explaining to him about what the aeroplane was like and you know he said to me I'll never be on one you know and I swear I had tears come down my face because I thought oh my god like how many airplanes have I taken and 
possibly you know taken some for granted I always try to appreciate it you know and it opened my eyes and he was like is it is it like James Bond you know and this guy was like 40 you know but he'll he'll never have that experience um, to be able to visit another country which is it's tough you know it is tough especially when all these people are coming to their country and they're like who are all these people and then they have such a difficulty to get out and you know they really taught me a lot in Cuba and something as well which I really loved was how some of my hosts you know I had to get used to how the women were living there as well how they would stay at home and the man would go out to work and I remember saying to my host oh like you know I, I'm probably going to come back to Cuba like again um when I come into Havana like how can I how can I contact you how can I find you because they don't answer like you know if you have an Airbnb they don't answer the messages because like they barely have internet like they might get internet like once a week or something um depending on who you're staying with obviously and I just thought to myself you know what I'll just land in Cuba and I'll just take a guess that she's at home and that's what she said to me like she was like look whenever you come back just just get dropped off the door and she was like I'm always here and I was like but how how will I know if like the room is available you know I was thinking so like logically like oh what about the room and how do I book and how do I but you know like as my trip went on like (laughs) I didn't work like that anymore I literally would arrive at houses and I'd be like have you got a room have you got a bed (laughs) I I never booked accommodation ever like I I would just arrive in places and at sometimes as well like I, I didn't have any accommodation a couple of times I had to stay like in a tent out in a yard I'd stay in a hammock outside you know and this is kind of this is kind of what life is like you know it's all uncertain it's all uncertain and as I said before like we live we think we live in certainty but we really don't like none of us are in charge here yeah we have certainty like oh tonight I'm going home to my house and have my bed every night but when you really go out and do that and you just you just take every day as it comes you live every day as it comes and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow you've no Mm. income like I had no income I didn't know I didn't know where I was staying the next day I didn't know if I had a bed I didn't know where I was getting food you know this really really teaches you what life and living is really about it teaches you what survival is and survival and I say to myself time and time again if I ever feel stressed I'm like all I need is water, food and shelter. And sometimes I actually didn't even need shelter. I slept outside. <laughs> yeah, I know. So as I normally kind of include little gratitude or well-being or environmental tips, I thought I'd finish on something that you could think about this week. And that's like your plastic consumption. Like what I learned in Cuba is something that we can all do you know we can all reuse we can all like just because there's a tear in your trousers you don't need to throw it away like it's still a an okay trousers like you can fix it or you can use it as a rag for something or you know what I mean you can wipe it with the windows um but yeah I just want people to look at their plastic consumption because in Ireland like we're literally the worst in Europe I think we're at about 60 kgs per person per year compared with like the European average which is about 30 kgs per person per year so it's super high so like when you go to the supermarket this week or I mean if you can shop local at your you know some people have um farmer stalls on the road or local 
uh, farmers markets always try to shop local because you're you're putting back into the economy and you're also you're actually eating the food as well from the soil that is recycling through the ecosystem and actually through your body as well most of the stuff as well that's imported is picked weeks before it's even ripe and like the process it goes through you know coming in the airplane the ships like all the transiting processes like the amount of chemicals that are laid into them and that's all like assimilated into your body afterwards so if we can choose local produce where possible and in season um and without the packaging like this is the aim so i've gone to different supermarkets and i've looked at what they offer and I'm like, why is there organic carrots from Ireland in a packet? You know, it just doesn't make sense. Well, obviously, I've grown my own veggies last year, which was amazing. And I think we can all do this as well. We can all do a little bit, even if it's a pot on the windowsill. We can all get started somewhere. And this is like the new world we need to create. We need to get back to learning how we can do it for ourselves, you know, because we can. And when you look at the food this week when you're shopping, the minute you touch a food item, you're touching the whole food chain of the transit, the farmer, every, everything is touched on that line. So you're responsible for that footprint. So if that farmer is being paid unequally or like, at, you know, at a low rate, which is more than likely, yes, like you're contributing to that. That's your footprint as well. So just try and be conscious of that. And like some major statistic is that 70% of the world is fed by peasant farmers. So peasant farmers are feeding three quarters of the globe. Like how crazy is that? That is crazy. And I literally was reading up the other day about organic farming in Ireland. And there's like less than 1% is organic farms. I'm like, what? So we're just eating foods laden with chemicals every day. And like that doesn't serve our immune systems. It doesn't build immunity. It doesn't protect us like as what's happening now. It doesn't help us get immunity from viruses because our immunity is weakened. So it's just a little a little note to be a bit more conscious of when you pick up produce. Make sure it's local. Try to get it without the plastic packaging. And as well, choose, you know, fair trade produce if you can or organic I really, really hope you enjoyed Cuba. Like, I still dream about it. Oh, the salsa. I still dream about the salsa. And I, I had great salsa lessons there. And I hope one day again to be able to dance it. You know, it's amazing. Amazing culture. And I have great friends there as well. So we still keep in touch, even though their internet is a bit off. But um, they respond to me and they're always like, what's going on in Ireland and when are you coming back? And we're always here for you. And that's the wonderful thing about Latin America. They're so lovely. And like anytime I ever talk to my friends there, they're like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? <laughs> and I'm like, lads, I'm in Ireland now and I can't fly anywhere anyway. <laughs> but yeah, just a final note as well on the Patreon. I want to say thank you to those who have signed up. I am so grateful and it's going to allow me to pursue this further and you know with your help and your support I can get my message wider and it, it would be a dream to be able to do this and spread the message spread the word and yeah help our planet and help ourselves together but yeah guys I hope you enjoyed today I really enjoyed 
I really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom, maybe. And yeah, maybe one day you'll be able to dance salsa and, you know, maybe try the rum or maybe even smoke a cigar. So guys, I wish you all a lovely night or day whenever you're listening to this, wherever you are. I'm sending you all big, big hug and positive vibes from my living room to yours. Have a gorgeous day, guys. Chat to you soon. <laughs>